0: KG and this is not safe for network. Oh, Spotty Bell Spotty Bells swinging through Midtown. Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guys down. Spotty Bells, Spotty Bells quipping all the time. Oh, what fun to swing around New York while fighting crime. Whipping through the streets of New York every night wrapping bad guys up in my web so tight crawling up the walls making villains fight what fun to make the holidays free from crime tonight oh spider bells goblin spells vulture laid an egg spider buggy blew a tire and venom got away spotty bells spotty bells swinging all the way oh what fun it is to fight the bad guys every night swinging through the streets a web of spider silk Kicking all the butts of villains and their ilk Bombs from goblins fling, fling! Pumpkins booming bright, bright! How hard it is to consistently bring peace to New York all night Oh, spidey bells might be swelled to do more than fight crime I got a lot of qualities that don't get much at time I can sing, I can dance, I tell jokes, I act I could be, be a big deal for my call me back why did I agree to do this stupid song? I have a degree in chemical engineering.
1: Hey, welcome to Montucky Skies Christmas slash 400th episode. We're drunk on eggnog. I'm Biggs.
2: I'm Brandon. And I'm Carl.
1: Carl's coming back to visit. Are you gonna Are you gonna come in for another episode or two before before we go off to podcast, Con?
3: Yeah, I'll be or here, here for, I'll be here until we go to PodCon. So, which whatever episodes we do are I'm here for. I'll be nice here for.
1: We're also we're figuring out a way to to squeeze Carlin for a while, even when he's on the road again, because you got like a recorder ripped off, right? Yeah, Portland wasn't kind to me. I was there two days,
3: and somebody picked through my car and stole my laptop and my audio recorder that I had just bought for the purposes of podcasting from the road. So, I've been entertaining the notion of using my phone for recording, but uh, in the meantime, I haven't really been able to contribute anything.
1: Yeah, that's okay. We appreciate that you're here now, and we've had you a while. Yeah. So... (laughs) Um, So, I wanted to start out by uh, reviewing Into the Spider-Verse, which I think I'm the only one in the room who's seen it. Yeah. So, I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on it. Uh, And it's going to be spoiler-free, so don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. But it was really good. It was really fun. It was one of the better Spider-Man movies. I'd probably put it up with the most recent one, uh, Homecoming. Like, it was... Just really, really good. The different incarnations of Spider-Man are fun. I mean, we start out with the perfect Peter Parker, who's voiced by Chris Pine. And he's basically a blonde Peter Parker who just does everything (laughs) perfect. Which I gotta say is like not very Spider-Man-like. Because (laughs) Spider-Man fucks up (laughs) shit all the time. But uh, he's basically perfect, but he gets killed pretty quick at the beginning of the thing because you're trying to service miles Morales being Spider-Man, right? Um, It's, I really liked it. I thought Spider-Gwen was a lot of fun. Peter B Parker is amazing. So Peter B Parker is voiced by, I think Ben Miller. It's not a guy I'm familiar with, but I think he's been in some stuff I've seen, but he does a great job. And essentially what Peter B Parker is, is he is, he was originally going to be, they were trying to get Toby Maguire to voice him, but because it was a Spider-Man cartoon, they didn't have the pull. They didn't know it would be a success when they started doing it. So they weren't able to get Toby Maguire in on it. So they got Ben Miller. But basically what it is, is he is supposed to be the Spider-Man that we kind of know. Like Chris Pine, they show the highlights of the, uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Like he does the whole train stopping thing with the webs does all this shit, including like walking down the street, dancing to jazz. And he's like, we don't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) And so Peter B Parker is essentially an extension of that. But now you cut ahead because Chris Pines, Peter Parker is 26. He is 38 and his life has completely fallen apart. He's made Bad investments and lost all of his money he's got a beer gut he's divorced mm. from Mary Jane like shit is not going well for him so he's he's the one that you see in the commercial who's like bumming the uh the burger for miles He's just like I'm not very liquid right now <laughs> mm. has him like <clears throat> and he's essentially training miles Morales, who he winds up being an okay teacher, but he is not a great teacher at the start. <laughs> And he's definitely like the funnier, quippier side of Peter Parker. But he's got that Parker look. Like Peter B. Parker is more the natural Peter Parker than like any other Peter Parker represented in this movie. Uh, The Kingpin is amazing. They make him huge. Like they have Leave Shriver voice him. And he's like ungodly huge. Just like takes up the frame whenever you see him. And something that I thought was interesting is his dry like his whole his whole thing for the reason why he's doing everything he's doing is because he lost vanessa and his child and so anybody knows the comics or the daredevil show knows who vanessa is but uh he lost her and so something i thought was kind of visually interesting is the kingpin what color of suit does he usually wear white with pink stripes or something like that isn't it it? it's always white and then yeah he's always wearing something like a shirt underneath um And this, it's pure black. And it just occurred to me, because I saw it twice, it occurred to me the second time I saw it tonight, oh, fuck, he's wearing black, that makes sense, because, like, he's mourning Vanessa still, and that's his whole motivation for for his whole villainous plot. The villains are really cool, they have the Hobgoblin from the Ultimate Universe, so they don't get into it too much, but it's essentially Norman Osborn, like... Um, puts a syringe in his arm and becomes the Green Goblin. It becomes this giant monstrous thing when he's the Green Goblin. Um, They have Tombstone, who's a deep hole, which I really appreciate because me and Carl were having a conversation once about Spider-Man villains. Uh, it's somewhere on the feed, I'm sure. And uh, you were saying they were all science-based, and I was like, well, there are some that aren't science-based. They're, like, mafia-based? Yeah, some of them are mafia-based. Tombstone is one of the mafia-based guys. Uh, He's basically an albino with sharp teeth, but he's just a mobster. Right. Uh, Let's see, who else do they have? They have, well, I don't want to give away Dr. Octopus, because there's kind of a reveal with it, but Dr. Octopus uh, is in this.
3: I'm looking at the uh, IMDb and Green Goblin is voiced
1: by uh, Jorma Tacone, who's one of the three Lonely Island guys. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and he's on the Christmas album, which I was going to get to, but I suppose now is as good of a time as any. The listeners heard we were playing Spidey Bells, uh, which is at the end of the the movie and a little, little chunk of another part. It's really fucking funny, but they're releasing like a six-song EP for like Christmas time tomorrow, so maybe today when this goes up. Uh, so I'm definitely buying that because like the Spidey Bells is fucking funny. Like Chris Pine has a meltdown towards the end of it and starts talking about how he's wasting his life. Like I just love it. Um, let's see who else is in it. Oh, uh, by the way, the uh, Peter B. Parker is voiced by uh, Jake Johnson. Oh, sorry, Jake who Johnson, who was
3: uh, Zoe Deschanel's love interest in New Girl. Yeah, Ben,
1: uh, ben Miller was a dude who's he's on a the good Key choice choice light. An I don't older. know broken down peter
3: parker too because he he does well. his character in new girl could be like he's snappy
1: and witty but also kind of just like defeated in a certain way just like listless uh we have the prowler in this which is another reveal if you don't know the comics but they go with the ultimate story or ultimate universe version of uh the prowler so people know miles morales will know what i'm talking about uh there's a couple other ones I, i can't oh the scorpion it's actually, like, a Mexican scorpion who speaks only Spanish. And uh, he's oh, pretty like cool. Uh, and then also, so I forgot, Spider-Man Noir is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, he's got very limited lines, but they're all pretty good. Like, when he's introduced, <laughs> Miles Morales is like, is he in black and white? <laughs> and he's like, We're, there's no wind in here. Where's the wind coming from? Because he's got kind of a cape that, like, shimmers in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, the wind goes wherever, wherever I walk. And it's a, or what is it? Like the the weather always follows me and it's always windy or something. I don't remember how he says it, Nicolas but it's Cage. some, some noir ish line. And then, uh, we have Penny Parker, which is, she is essentially <laughs> an anime character who had a, I might be fucking up this origin story, but I think had, a father who built a robotic suit that was powered by a radioactive father or radioactive spider that she then takes over when her father dies. So, um, and she's completely drawn in the anime. Spider
3: bites her and she develops a telepathic link with it, which is what allows her to control this big robot because the robots piloted by the spider, right? <laughs> 'Cause the, it's anime. Yeah, the spider's essentially the pilot of the giant mech and she's telepathically connected to it. So that's how she's like can control the mech. By herself?
2: She usually it takes it. two.
1: She's like she's not in it, right? Like it it's... She she gets into it okay. when she goes to battle. Because like I always see it. her standing like on it or next yeah. to it. Yeah, she's in it and on it and next to it. All of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Gwen's pretty cool. We talked about her a lot. I don't know what to add with it, but I I would kind of like people to experience it. It's it's pretty great. And then, like, John Mulaney is so funny as Spider-Ham because it's basically... He is a Looney Tunes cartoon, like, in this. He's just straight up a Looney Tunes cartoon. He has mallets that fit in his pocket that he can pull out and hit people with. (laughs) He has, like anvils that when he needs to destroy something he drops an anvil on it and then at the very end like uh he goes that's all folks and then uh peter b parker is like can you say that i mean legally <laughs> it's so great dude it's just like the it is so meta and then miles they fucking nail they do a great job he's going through puberty and they manage to I'd always heard James Cameron's Spider-Man that he was working on before Sam Raimi got it was based on uh, Peter Parker going through puberty and they used his powers as like a metaphor for it. And I always thought that was goofy and how do you do that? And then I saw how Chris and Phil Miller did it in this movie. It's like, okay, that totally works. I get it. Um it's, it's really good. They do a really good job with all the characters that create this giant universe. Lily Tomlin plays Aunt May yeah. and does a great Aunt May. It's not like any Aunt May you've ever seen. Um, I just really like it. They do a good job of like setting up the world. Um, I'm just going to stop there because at this point I'm just going to spoil mm. things. And I almost feel like talking about the plot is spoiling things. That's one thing <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talk about. The movie,
3: and they always talk about how interesting and diverse the characters are, and they never talk about the actual plot of the movie. And I can't tell if that's because it's too complicated to explain without just telling what happens in the whole plot of the movie, or if because it's so like maybe it doesn't work.
1: So, like, you the people are focusing on everything but the plot. it works. And if you can follow an episode of The Flash with the multiverse stuff you can follow this like it's not super complicated it's very much like they're being dropped in for dimensions for reasons but there's things that feel like heavy reveals all throughout the movie and so to talk about the plot is really to spoil those reveals and right. i don't want to do that but it the plot makes sense it all works um you look like you want to say something i'm um-
2: Wait until you write. Wind down here. Is there a Stan Lee cameo? Yes,
1: many, 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 many oh, Stanley cameos. He's all over buses. He's all over crowds. I mean, teams. like
3: as a character, does he voice a character?
1: So there's. I didn't catch any of those that I was yeah. talking about, but I've read it. Um, yes, he has a very lengthy cameo where he's selling a Spider-Man suit, like a Halloween costume, oh, to Miles. Because right, that's a weird. Like
3: Spider-Man is like. A cultural figure in the world of miles morales
1: because because with and miles morales Man. you have the chris pine perfect spider-man right That's and so... who has recorded a christmas album right who That's has so weird. like done movies and like uh just all of this stuff and then they have cashed high- in on the popularity yes and he's absolutely flawless and perfect but at the same time um like, when he dies, there's, like, a vigil for him. And so Miles goes to buy a Halloween costume. And so Stan Lee sells him the Halloween costume and has a good, like, 45-second scene. And it's kind of interesting at the end. Like, they had a Stan Lee quote talking about how, you know, if you've ever done anything good for people, you've you've proven that heroes exist. And then they kind of had a, a dedicated to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. And that made me sad the first time I saw it because I was like, that's right. We lost both of them this year. We lost both the creators yeah. of Spider-Man. So that was pretty sad. But um, there's a great post-credit sequence that involves Spider-Man 2099, uh, the 1967 Spider-Man cartoon, and the pointing meme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of these things come together in the end. And Oscar Isaac voices Miguel, like the yeah. the uh, Latino 2099 Spider-Man from Nueva York. Hey, do you know by... Uh, on, like, s- related... Do you know what
3: came first? Spider-Man 2099 or Batman Beyond?
1: Which one of those... So, if Batman Beyond started as a as a TV show, it started as a show, right? I th-
3: think that might yeah. have been the
1: first time it was a thing. And Spider-Man
3: 2099 was so a So, it was definitely first. Spider-Man...
1: 2099 first. because i remember reading it in elementary school i could never get into it and then when i was <laughs> older like since they've rebooted him and like put him towards modern age i still can't get into <laughs> it and i want to but i just i don't like the look of the outfit i don't like the 2099 aesthetic they did this with all the marvel characters they set him in 2099 with like different people and i just don't like it but so-
3: the only the real
1: fine. experience
3: I've had with Spider-Man 2099 character is that uh, if you read the run of the Exiles comic where they're multiverse hopping, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> at one point the story takes them to the Spider-Man 2099 universe and he, becomes a, he joins the team for a while. As part of a series of events that takes place, and he eventually just like goes like quits and goes back to his own time. And, yeah, but uh, that's the thing too. He can hop. He's a really time. the character that he is in Exiles is great. He's a great character, and so, I really enjoyed him. But I've I never like read any character. of his solo like own own comics.
1: Yeah, I like the character. I don't like the world that he inhibits. He inhabits so, like, he inhabits the Blade Runner world. Essentially, yeah. it's
3: literally like MegaCorpse and all of that.
1: It's ex- like and, I swear to God, they're like one of the groups is called like Whalen Dutani. And there's a, there's a way to make that interesting, but they don't succeed in those comics. <laughs> like not in the old ones, not in the new ones, to me anyway. But uh, I did want to bring up their they've greenlit two sequels. We talked about a little bit, but Amy Pascal actually like shed some light on them, and so. <clears> that the, the end of the Spider-Verse 2, whatever they wind up calling it, will focus on a romance between Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales. <coughs> now, I would add, we all thought that was Spider-Gwen, but i noticed the wording was Gwen Stacy. It was not Spider-Gwen. Well, her name's not Spider-Gwen. That's underst- the name of the comic. I understand that, but we're talking about multiple universes. There could be a Gwen Stacy. That we haven't met yet. Yeah, so I just want to say... If that winds up, I'm not saying that's what it'll be. It probably won't be. But if that is what it winds up being, I was there first. I was the first one to jump on that, okay? Uh, And then the other movie that they're working on will be Spider-Gwen, Silk, and Je- the Jessica Drew Spider-Woman. So, like, those are the three best characters they could pretty much pick, yeah. I think. Uh, When they were talking silk. about...
4: What's that? Silk?
1: Yeah,
3: she's the... I um, like Silk. Yeah. She yeah. was bit by the same spider that bit Peter Parker. Yes. Like the literal same spider. Not the same experiment or anything, but
1: the individual spider. And then spider. she was basically locked up yeah. for decade or for like a decade or so. Hmm. However much time has passed. She has an interesting storyline. Okay, go ahead, Brandon. I've been so I been hold you at bay.
2: I am uh, Gonna wanna switch gears to a new universe that's taking shape. It's the what we do in the shadows universe. Okay. So we had talked over the summer about because they're making a TV show out of the from the movie. Yes. That's going to be based in New York and have none of the same characters. Produced by well, no, that's not actually accurate. It's produced
1: by TakeY T V, who's directing some episodes, and Jermaine Clement appears, I think, in the pilot. That like, might be. Yeah, I think it, I think that's like I mean it's too. very
2: just loosely based. Like a hamming off story. of the torch. Yeah. Same thing.
1: universe but a different yeah. Location yeah, it's like maybe. it's like New York. Yeah. Um, instead
2: of where are they London or Australia. Wellington, New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's you true. Know, Australia, <laughs> where's my car? <laughs> New Zealand, where's my car? There's a difference. That sounds like New England the way you say, it.
1: Where's my car? <laughs>
2: Anyways, so they're actually producing a another TV show, and it's just for the New Zealand market, but it's based on the cops from the movie.
3: I've seen some of that.
2: And it's uh, coming out in April of next year. It's called uh, Wellington Paranormal. Okay. So basically it's cops having to deal with, like, all these fucked up, like, Werewolves and like people possessed and paranormal shit. Uh, there's a preview for it out on YouTube right now and it's fucking great. <laughs> How many swearwolves do you think they have to
1: deal with?
3: <laughs> there's six episodes
1: of the First, Wellington PD. The
3: episode that I saw, because I believe it's the full run is done in New Zealand and it's coming to America here soon. But the whole series has been, re- has been finished and released and. These guys I was hanging out with in Portland uh, are all about the uh, about the torrenting. So that's like so they had the whole series, and I only watched the first episode, but it was it's pretty good. Like it's it feels like uh, like New Zealand like New Zealand cops show. Like yeah, Cops was in New Zealand, and they're dealing with supernatural things, but they're very, like, matter-of-fact about all of it. Like, they' girl's head yeah. is spinning around, and she's, like, doing the exorcist thing, and they're like, could you not make a mess like
2: that? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, a, we formed this whole department, yeah. and I've got official folders. <laughs> <laughs> very,
3: um, it feels like, uh, X-Files meets, um... The other show with Jermaine in it, uh, Flight of the Concords. Oh, I was like the say, meeting room. Tiger with when, versus Shark. When, uh, when, like when Jermaine and, and Brett shark. are in the room with Murray and they're discussing stuff. <laughs> That's what it feels like when the officers are sitting at the precinct talking about the cases and stuff. It's very like just like them talking, just mundane things, and somehow it's hilarious. Like very mundane, but also just like that weird hilarity to it. Like I, it's hard to explain the humor and play the Concords even like
2: yeah, some of it, yeah.
3: some of it is very weird. Like He's dead. the way he says, <laughs> like he'll be like Brett, 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 you know, prison, are you prison? Brett. You know, prison, <laughs> prison, Brett. and he always goes, Murray, Murray prison, Murray, prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. But like, why is that hilarious? <laughs> there's no, like, there's not even a comedic structure to that, but for some reason, those guys are able to make it just like, off-the-wall funny.
1: To me, it's funny because he's so anal-retentive that he has to, like, even though there's only two other people in the room to track, (laughs) he has to do roll call every time. Like, it's a completely inane chore that he wastes time with every single time. and finds a new way to, like, waste even more time with the (laughs) roll call like, every time.
3: Yeah, like, he's a bureaucrat for New Zealand government and he's using, he's, like, Trying to add bureaucracy to those, what should be very informal, like, band meetings. They yeah. don't have any gigs or money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, they usually owe money. It makes a chart of their friendship. I really <laughs> loved how he accidentally, like, wound up getting a hit single with that Arf Arf guy that Tom Perry <laughs> was playing. Just, like, <laughs> the worst song. Arf Arf?
3: It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's a good
1: shit. Can we step backwards back into Spider-Man? Because I forgot to mention something else. Yeah. So uh, they asked Amy Pascal about the Sinister Six movie because it had been shelved, but there was rumors it might be coming back up. So she said she's been waiting for Drew Goddard to call her, and she's absolutely ready to make it anytime Drew Goddard's ready. So Drew Goddard was developing a Sinister Six movie, and then when Amazing Spider-Man 2 bombed, they pushed it back a little bit. Or not bombed, but didn't meet expectations, yeah. I should say. They pushed it back a little bit. And then he started working on Daredevil, so they shelved it. And then he went on and made, what, Bad Times at the El Royale? And so, yeah, so apparently we might have a Sinister Six movie being made. Now, how they do that, I don't know. But I imagine at this point it's got to feature Venom, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. It should be a heist movie.
1: Yeah, they should yeah, that do makes Ocean's sense. Eleven
3: with with Spider-Man villains too. That'd be so. That'd good. That'd be
1: great. They should animate it. Have Miles Morales face them. Then at least you have a Spider-Man guy. I could. They could do a live-action Miles do Morales it
3: in the. Just make it a uh, in the Spider Verse universe. Just add it to the add it to the canon of
1: that movie. And that's kind of what I was thinking, but I don't think that's what Drew Goddard had in mind. <laughs>
3: I can't. I'm not into the idea of Drew Goddard directing an animated movie. I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but it doesn't feel like his his deal.
1: It like, seems like he, that's something that you generally have specialized directors. He's for.
3: really good at you know cinematography as well, like uh, framing shots and camera angles and lighting and co- and like color. And that would all be wasted if he had an animation team just drawing whatever he wanted. Like, he is able to reproduce that stuff and make these beautiful shots in the real world. And that's hard. That's a skill that shouldn't be put to waste on a guy to make an animated film. There's plenty of people that are good at making animated films as it is, you know. Like, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. They should keep doing that. Like, they they crushed it with the Lego movie. You know they cr- they're crushing it with this, but then like, you know, the solo wasn't the best, and even though they weren't the responsible for the finished product, they were certainly responsible for a large portion of that movie.
1: I thought it was fine.
3: No, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that. <laughs> but how much better was Lego Movie?
1: Yes, way you know? better. Yeah.
3: Like Solo was so
1: so, but yeah, how long did you have this been that one? <laughs> Solo was so-so, but Lego. I
3: didn't.
1: <laughs> 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 oh no! That's
3: how those guys pick movies. See, they're like setting
1: us up to do all that. Just to do a giant rhyme at a Q and A. Their whole a discography,
3: <laughs> yeah, for trivia night.
1: So, um... uh. Eggnog's already going to my head. Oh, yeah. So, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they were at one time attached to Men in Black, as I recall. They were going to do a crossover with 21 Jump Street. Yeah. That never wound up oh, yeah. happening. Instead, we got Men in Black International. Is that yeah. what they're calling? Did you see this trailer, Brandon?
2: No. Okay,
1: hold on. Okay, so we just watched the Men in Black trailer with Brandon. Okay, what do you
2: guys think about this? It looks god-fucking-awful. <laughs> oh, thank you! Dude, like, so it looks so bad. And I thought MIB 3 was bad. This, like, <laughs> looks... A review, like- which you gave a positive one on the
1: podcast. Was that one of those things when it sunk in later and you were like, Ah, maybe not.
2: Yeah. Okay,
1: that's fair. I've had a few But of
2: I, those. like, try and, like... See the light in it when I'm first reviewing it, but then like after a while, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's it. It was really bad." Yeah. What do you think, Carl?
3: I think it looks fine. It's Men in Black. I mean, my standards aren't very high for Men in Black. Mine are not
1: either. It's not <laughs> a
3: franchise that I think demands. Um, I mean, I didn't like really the second one or the third one. I thought the first one was fine. It holds up on repeat viewings. Like, mostly because of Vincent D'Onofrio as the villain. Because the second one with uh, what, Lara Flynn Boyle as the villain. And yeah, Johnny that... Knoxville as the side, the henchman. And then, like, the weird... Uh, that was bad. And the third one is completely just forgettable. I mean, I don't even remember the plot of the third one or the villains so the, the villain, I, think, oh, I thought, in the third time, one right. is the
2: one with the... Uh, what was... I'm trying to remember who the actor was. But it was uh, Boris. He like shot quills out of his arm, like hands and killed oh, a bunch of people. Yeah, I don't remember that at all.
1: Okay, so I didn't like the first one. On, Brandon went with me when we were in high school. I fucking hated the first one, walking out of it. Eventually saw the second one, kicking and screaming, not wanting to see it. Hated that one. Will not watch the third one. Started watching this and initially I was like, ah, Jesus Christ, here comes the Men in Black. Right? And then I started watching it and I'm like, well, I really like Tessa Thompson. I really like Liam Neeson. I really like Chris Hemsworth. And then it occurred to me, oh yeah, I also really like Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith at the time. I just fucking hate the Men in Black. I hate it. And then when I got older and had to cover it for like the Alien Movie Project and had to rewatch it, I was like... Not only do I still hate this, I see all the blatant racism that's all over this. Like it's all about guarding borders and they really use the aliens as Mexicans and treat them awful and like shifty people. And you said something today that absolutely spoke to that. Yeah. And I like just laughed my ass off when you said it. The reason
3: I even saw the trailer in the first place was Kumail Nanjiani uh, shared it on Twitter and was like, Hey, I'm in this movie. You can see that I'm in it from the trailer. And then I watched the trailer and he's just doing his own voice. <coughs> like he's not doing uh, an accent or an alien voice. And it was like, well, cause they just wanted his like Kumail, Nanjiani's recognizable, like Pakistani accent.
1: Yep. As one of the aliens.
3: Although he is like, also he has a fairly unique voice in Hollywood right now. Nobody really sounds like him,
1: but I think it's very much in line with what they were doing with the other movies, which is like, you're definitely using aliens as a metaphor (laughs) for illegal aliens, right? Or at least, um,
3: they're using certain, uh, they're just using stereotypical voices to voice alien characters the same way that they took the Transformers movies and were like, this Transformers, the little Mexican Transformer, and this Transformers, the old Scottish Transformer, and this Transformers, you know, like, they it's gave them all ethnic. They gave Didn't all they these different Transformers, like, ethnicities, yeah,
2: even a, though
3: a friend they're of- from another goddamn planet made out of robot." Why would mine, they sound like they were from the Bronx or from Wales or from anywhere? <laughs> yeah, a, on friend Earth.
1: Of, a friend of mine went to uh, went to I don't know the second or third one. She's black. She was so pissed off when she walked out of it because they had these two that were supposed to be black and oh, they were yeah. just like making jokes about how they couldn't read and all this shit. And she was yeah, like Yeah,
3: there's like these two little in one of the movies there's these two little like junky ones. That have these horrible, like, just, yeah, over the top accents. And they're like, they're the comic relief, but they're the butt of the joke. You know, they're not in on the joke that they're telling. They're,
1: yeah. Now, to be clear, very mean spirited. To be clear about Men in Black, if you remove the whole racist component of it, I hated it before that. And this trailer exhibited all the reasons that I hated (laughs) it. (laughs) <laughs> the aliens look like shit. Like this is a 2018 movie, and they look like the same aliens that were in the first movie, which is not good. Because the first one was really shitty CGI for a lot of it. Like, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio went practical, but whenever they were doing like CGI characters, they were next level awful. And you saw those little ones walking down the road; Oh they yeah. look like fucking shitty CGI things. Well, they're like, yeah, the same they're the characters, characters from the
2: callback
3: first. to the first two,
1: but. Fucking update it, dude! Don't just be like, "Well, our computer sucked, then, so we just gotta." That's that's the style we go with now. No, you're fucking you're rebooting this in a sense, like Jesus Christ, dude! Even even from like a part two to three, you usually improve your your computer graphics if you can, like if you have the money. You know what I mean? <coughs> so it looks terrible. The jokes in it fall like a fucking sack of flour on the floor for me. Like, they just don't do it for me at all. Like, I did anybody laugh at any of the jokes? Like, it was the first time you watched it. I didn't see you laugh. No. I didn't laugh either time. You didn't laugh the second time. I'm curious if you laughed the first time.
3: Uh, not really. Not, like, sincerely. I like the fact that Tessa Thompson, like, her motivation as a character from the trailer, is that she was not a member of the Men in Black, but she is smart enough to figure out that they exist and find them.
1: Maybe she'll get... To
3: me, it's just nice to see a female lead in a movie that's competent like that. Doesn't accidentally stumble on it, but like... Makes a decision. I'm gonna go track down this super secret organization and then succeeds and then manages to talk her way into getting inducted into the organization. You know what I was thinking when I was watching that? I just like it's nice to see that for girls need him. Uh, role models like that more in Hollywood. So I'm yeah. glad that, sh- that, that just for that alone, I'm glad that this movie exists.
1: That's cool. It just wasn't a shitty franchise. That no, was doing it. I mean, yeah. but we're we th- not the target audience. Ultimately, no. So but who what you we were think. saying, what you were saying about her, like I immediately thought, does she develop earthquake powers? Because she's basically a fucking quake in Agents of Shield. Like she like tracks down the super secret organization, figures out what she what they're doing, and then joins them. And then becomes like one she of the She starts out as them. their prisoner, actually. They like arrest her basically. Because she figures it out and tracks them down. She's doing she's
3: investigating the centipede people. <laughs> but I mean don't dis, don't like uh you're Now you're just like dismissing characters because they're derivative of other yes. characters. And that's also totally acceptable. Like, there are a million <laughs> James, different variations on James Bond. There's a million different versions of Batman. There's only one Wonder Woman, you know? Like, women need more representation. I mean, there's. In Hollywood, in movies. There's at least in two. Books, there's Linda the
1: Carter, Wonder Woman, too, I mean,
3: right? but I mean, like, there's no spin offs or like rip offs of Wonder Woman. There's like a no, million Batman true. ripoffs and there's a million Superman ripoffs. But there's like, I mean, look at the, if you really like break down characters in DC and Marvel comics, there's a gender disparity there. Yes. There's yeah. just, a, there's so many more male heroes. Than but I'm also heroes.
1: not going to pat them on the back for having a woman leave when it's a shitty movie. Like, I mean, good job on that, but it looks like a shitty movie to me. Right, like it's a comedy that's not funny.
3: Does so far does Spy Kids look like a good movie to you? No, it's and I'm not never for gonna watch you. It. It's not for you. Is I all I'm that. saying, and I'm not saying I think this movie is going to be good. I'm not defending the movie. I'm but just this movie is that, kind of for me.
2: They're no,
1: really trying. Like they no, it's took not. they took two of the big characters it's from not. Thor Ragnarok, and they took Liam Neeson like. These are all people that are totally in my wheelhouse all the time. It's not for you because you never liked the franchise. Right? No, no. I understand that, but if you were to like put me on a graph, they'd be like, "This guy must love Men in Black because it came out when he was in high school, and like he loved Fresh Prince of Bel Air when he was young." And like you'd like I check off all of these little boxes you're that I would an say anomaly that are like in their system.
3: They have yeah. a Venn diagram and you just happen to be in the middle of the Venn diagram. There's yeah. all these overlapping the outlier. demographics. You're <laughs> the inlier. You're in the center. You're like they want, you know, these people and they want these people and they want these people, people. and they want these people and you're like a little bit of each check. of those people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like it's all of that shit. So I mean, I mean, they're making this movie for me. I just don't want it. And I'm trying to <laughs> let everybody know I don't want it. And it bothers me because I know we'll talk about it in the future. Fuck, dude. I, I fucking made Brandon watch a trailer just so I could bitch about it. So maybe it's <laughs> my own fault.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's going to be a good sequel to R.I.P.D. Oh. <laughs> oh, good God. That movie looks so terrible. We so have- it's old news, but... Uh, I am curious what you guys think of that uh, Detective Pikachu trailer, speaking of movies that
1: are not for us. Yeah, that's really not for me. I'm really afraid that I'm going to get drugged to that movie Brian somehow. Ryan Reynolds. I know. <laughs> I
3: was thinking the other day, how funny would it be uh, if it turned out that... Uh, detective Pikachu was actually a Deadpool movie and like Deadpool was telling a story and he was doing the voice of the character. And so like at the very end, it's like Deadpool's like, and then that's the
1: end of the story. I don't like Deadpool enough to sit through a Pikachu movie. I don't think (laughs) I I watched that trailer. I didn't like that either, but man, everybody around me was howling at it. So I'm afraid I'm going to get dragged to this one. I liked it
2: more than I thought I would like. I was like, There's no, like, there's nothing about um, Pokemon that just, like, interests me in any bit. We're all too old
3: for it. It was, we were past the age where we were going to be into it by the time it became a thing. I gotta
1: disagree with that, though, because I knew lots of people in high school that were really into Pokemon. Like the card game. Yeah, that was the first thing. It started on Nintendo, as I recall. Oh, right.
3: It was a. Mm -hmm. It was the Game Boy game first.
1: Yeah, and and it like we sold Burger King toys. Uh, I might have told this on the podcast. I don't know, but we sold these uh, like you would buy a combo meal and then pay a couple extra dollars, and you get this little like oh yeah yeah so you get this little stuffed uh, Pokemon thing and a little Pokeball or whatever the fuck they call them. And so, somebody I was working with figured out that if you shook the ball, if it didn't rattle, it was because it was extra big, and it was extra big because it had a little fake voice box in there. And so, those were going for money on the internet, because people were, like, it was... People were going fucking Pokemon crazy when we were in high school, like... And so, people were... Buying so many of these things. So we would go to like fill up the kids' meal bags and we just shake every one. And we figured out there was three in every case. Every single case, there was three that talked and they were all, they were all Pikachu. Pikachu. And one would go, Pikachu. And one would go, Pikachu. And one would go, like, I don't know, some other version of Pikachu. But so the three of us that did that each got a set of Pikachus. Like, The three on the set. And then I turned around. So these things were selling for two bucks with a combo meal at Burger King. I sold my set of three for 90 (laughs) bucks like a week later. Jesus. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) It was fucking stupid. Now I kind of wish I'd held on to it because I bet it's worth even more.
2: $95.
1: Yeah. Dude, po- when Pokemon Go was like a or what what was the game that people were playing with their phone? Yeah, Pokemon Go. Go. Yeah, yeah, Pokemon Go. When that was a big thing, I bet I could have sold that shit for like 200 at least. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was definitely a thing when we we're younger, but I just it's it's not also not in my wheel. I don't like anime, and I feel like that's kind of an anime thing. Just not a fan. Even Penny Parker's like fine, but she's got such a little part. And been to the Spider-Verse, I can take it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh Hellboy trailer? Yeah. Should we talk about that?
3: Oh, man. Now, that is definitely going to be good.
2: Everything about that trailer I liked. I enjoyed it a lot. I. Uh, it was really interesting looking at it because it looked like Ron Perlman was still being Hellboy. At first, because they got they really got the look similar to what (coughs) Ron Perlman's Hellboy and David Harbour in the suit. And I think, I mean, it looked like the continuity, it, it was enough there that I think they could get a lot of people on board with it. Yeah, I noticed. Um,
1: so his body type is kind of the same. The stuff I like that they did that they didn't really do in the the uh, Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies is like the full on horns. Mm-hmm. The yeah, horns they looked they, really cool.
2: They only uh, briefly touched on that in the first Hellboy. Yeah, I mean He's they sh- they show a down. scene of him. There was two scenes him down. Yeah, well, there was two scenes where he had the full on horns in the first one. One was like a he got a vision or something, and then the other one was. Uh, he broke him off at the end. Yeah,
1: it sounds like they're really playing up the fact that um, he's bringing the end of the world in this one. From stuff I've read, David Harbor talking about it, um, it sounds like they're kind of setting it up where like the humans are taking him for granted. And he's starting to look at the demons and monsters and starting to think of maybe I should join them. And so he's not totally a good guy in this movie either. Like he's trying to figure out which side he's on in this upcoming war. So that that's pretty interesting to me too. He,
3: there's uh, the relationship with the professor is more divisive than it was in the, in the previous one. It was very much like a father figure. He, he had kind of the mind of a teenager. I think he's more mature o- older, maybe not more mature, but older in this one. Like he, uh, he's got more life experience. It sounds like from the trailer, he's got a more kind of, uh, because he acts more, more like bitter a bitter relationship with his dad, where he's like, he turned me into a weapon, you know? what kind of kid gets guns for their birthday, you know, like weapons or some, whatever he said, uh, there's some line in the trailer about it. And so I was curious about that because that the relationship with is very, one of a doting parent and a sort of like uh hero struck, uh, son was the relationship they had in the T- del Toro movies. And it doesn't look like that's the case in this.
4: Yeah.
1: Plus, it's Ian McShane is like and I love <laughs> yeah. that guy dude I hope they Kinda wind up in a guy. giant fight at the end where they like burst through walls and stuff with each other <laughs> well not Ian McShane won't. he's a frail old man he
3: There's was a
1: deadwood I was I was thinking more of a, a especially
3: God. compared to helping me
1: uh, no I was thinking of a hot rod. Like when he's, oh, the, yeah. he's, the, when step, he's the stepdad he's the stepdad with the, the heart Andy that needs to be replaced. And so when he gets his heart replaced, they like wind up in that giant battle in their that basement. Yeah, that's such a good fight. Dude. <laughs> you should watch that movie just for the fight. If you haven't seen Hot Rod. <laughs> there was one bad thing about
3: the trailer and that's that, that I forgot about and until just now. And that's that there is a very cliche uh, sort of like gritty remake of an old song in that trailer. Which song? Moni Moni. Oh, oh yeah, yeah I and I was that. like, dumb. Like, let's do a cool new edgy <sighs> version of Moni Moni. Like, fucking get over your like. The trailer was definitely cut by like the same. Uh company that made like the suicide squad trailer and all these other comic book movie trailers. It's just like fire those guys. All right. Those guys don't get to make trailers. I did feel like the trailer showed for being only two and a half minutes or whatever it was showed way too much stuff from way too many parts of the film. Like I felt like I was getting scenes from the beginning, the middle and the end. And I don't want the whole goddamn movie spoiled in the trailer. That's like a trend these days where it's like, I'm literally, I watched that one Infinity War trailer, or the Endgame, for the new Infinity, not Infinity War, but the uh, Avengers Endgame. I watched that trailer. I am not watching another goddamn trailer for that fucking movie. Because it's gonna ruin... No, it's not. It's gonna ruin stuff. I'm just not interested. Those trailers
1: for Infinity War... Like, they fucking changed the trailers just so that you didn't get stuff spoiled for you in other movies. I, well, it's not, even. I mean, that's how careful. So it's not so much
3: that it's the endless speculation. That's going to, from now till the movie comes out about there's people talking about, it's going to be a time travel movie. I don't think it is, but I don't want to listen to anybody's dumbass theories. I just don't want to listen.
1: I don't care about fan theories. Like I really don't. There was a time when we used to talk about them on the show for sure. But I just don't give a shit anymore. Like, and they're always
3: so fucking. They're so convoluted and
1: stupid most of the time. Like, I like to come up with our own theories. What's funny is most of the most of the
3: theories I hear, it's like I hear the theory and then I go, you know, it's not even a point of whether it's true or not. But that's that (coughs) idea you came up with is so bad. Why would you want it to be true? Are you like hoping that this movie this Theory that you have is true, so that the movie winds up being terrible as a result.
1: <laughs> um, so, we were talking about this last week, but they're so setting up Tony Stark to die in this trailer that I'm like, I don't think he's going to die. I don't anymore. think he's going to die. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I never thought he was going to die. I really did. I he thought needs when to the get the contract to, was up, he'd probably be done. He
3: gets to have a kid with Penny. Penny. Or Pepper. Oh, Pepper. Pepper, <laughs> Pepper Penny Potts. That's her middle name. You didn't know that?
1: no it's not <laughs> I
2: know <laughs> uh, yeah, you're full of shit
3: they talked about that in the beginning of Infinity War about wanting to have a kid and settle down have a family that's gonna he's gonna get that he's earned that
1: it's the white picket the character Francis. has
3: earned that over they're trying to for set up for being in like to die. more movies than any other Marvel character so far
2: yeah
1: that's, that's Hawkeye dies right. and
2: Tony Stark takes over the ranch <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> takes his wife. <laughs> I mean I, mean,
3: I would pick Linda Cardellini over Gwyneth Paltrow myself. Yeah, me too, I mean, he's gonna have both.
4: <laughs> he's got a he whole doesn't harem. need
3: to choose. Just, and then Book Widow joins, and then he's just got a whole harem of all the women from the Marvel. Okay, movie. if I had
1: the choice of a three, I'm going. I'm going Scarlet Johansson.
2: <laughs> three. But I really like Linda Cardellini. I'm going to have to go with Linda Cardellini, because I don't know, like, Black Widow, like, that'd be fun for a night, but I don't know if I could deal with that on a regular basis. Oh, you mean as, like, marriage material? I thought we were just talking about, like, a roll in the
1: hay. Oh, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm talking the whole gamut here. I'm like... (sighs) It seems like Pepper Potts would... Mad you to death, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> Brandon commits even when it's a fictional I, <laughs> fa- relationship
3: Ow. fantasy. He's in that. No, this is a, I'm paying him a compliment. No, I'm saying that's a good thing. Like he doesn't picture like a one night stand with a with a yeah. Fictional what does that say like about me? Either, that's what that goes. Yeah, to. like I was thinking you're being kind of a pervert yeah. here about okay. about it, and 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 Brandon here is being like. You genuine and sweet about it like you don't
2: get a white picket fence and a house in the countryside yeah. for a one-night stand
3: now me and black widow's That's, wedding would be weird but me and then she-hulk's wedding would be beautiful <laughs> like the uh, flower arrangement <laughs> the band we wouldn't go dj we'd go band yeah but band. if you
1: ever get in a bad enough fight she's ripping your dick off straight <laughs> up dude <laughs> Like I would be as scared as hulk in that way. Plus, she she's a floor lawyer, floor. so she's gonna. Not only is she stronger than you, but she's gonna win every argument. She's stronger and smarter than you. And you don't just lose half in that case; you, no, lose, you lose it all.
3: Yeah, you would have to go into that relationship knowing ahead of time that you'd be like, I.
1: She wears the purple I, pants yeah, in this I'm family. I'm going to be her
3: support. <laughs> like she'll be the leader in this in this relationship for <laughs> sure.
1: She's alpha. So if we are talking about settling down <laughs> going back to that, uh, yeah, it's probably it's probably Linda Cardellini's character. She seems like the most stable we've had represented, right?
3: Yeah. Of course, I wouldn't we, we almost couldn't put Black Widow into that into competition with that because she's one of the female heroes but linda Cardellini and gwyneth paltrow are they're more side. like they're just romantic so okay so maybe we Natalie replace her with, that's
1: what i was just thinking too or uh um do, do we get Liv tyler from like yes that Incredible movie's part Hulk. of
3: the end that's technically one of the mc but movies. her dad is crazy he's he's in he's like the only thing that has uh carried continued over. carried over. That's what I yeah. that's the right word. I, which is good because uh you know that one of the characters in the Incredible Hulk movie is uh played by the guy who is Guildfoil in Silicon Valley, but the <laughs> name of his character is Amadeus Cho, who just happens to be in the comic books an Asian teenager who becomes the totally awesome Hulk. Yep. So if they brought that actor's character into the MCU, they wouldn't be able to use him as that.
1: I also like, they be able to use that. If I can just say it, because I did a lot of catching up on uh, some comics for a while there at the Marvel app. the The Amadeus Cho- Hulk, I really like that character. I didn't think I would.
3: He's pretty great. He's yeah, he's I like it he maintains his intelligence. When yeah, he he's not
1: stupid when he becomes the Hulk. So, but he does lose his temper. Not at first, but eventually he starts losing his temper more and, and more. It's, it's more. Interesting and at this point that. in
3: the storyline, the continuity Bruce Banner has is no longer the Hulk.
1: Oh, dude, like he hasn't no, changed he, in a really well, long time. Well, He died, and then somebody like took over his body. This is <laughs> what, this is where it gets. <laughs> Damn no, no, no. But Fuck you, is, Marvel, but this No, no, no. So <laughs> that's what I was thinking when I found this. Out. I was like, "Fuck that!" And then they showed the image of like where the Hulk stood and I was like oh my god that's so cool because some demonic thing like took over his dead body and then they had to like cut it up and put it into different jars so that it couldn't reform into the Hulk and like wreak havoc everywhere so like in the Avengers mansion there's like this pantry that's just filled with all these jars of different Hulk body parts (laughs) which I was like looking at that image and I was like That's kind of fun. (laughs) Like, when I first heard that, I was like, God damn it. And then I saw the picture, and I'm like, all right, I think I got to read this story. (laughs) That's next level fucking crazy. There's two kinds of comic stories I like. Good ones and crazy ones. Like, so crazy, they're fun. That sounds like one. Like, Spider Island was a good crazy story. Everybody becomes Spider-Man, essentially. I saw
2: that. I read that one. Yeah.
1: That was fun. Like it was just a fun comic. I I hated the idea of it until I read it, and I was just like, "It's pretty funny." I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, do we have anything else to talk about? Penny Marshall passed away. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's sad. Yeah. Although, like, some of the movies I saw her associated with him, like, like in, I think she's great, but like, Big is a weird. It's that movie's like weird in retrospect it's really it's problematic
1: in retrospect at times that woman has a woman's having sex with a kid yeah that's (laughs) creepy that was my dream when i was josh baskin's age dude (laughs) if
3: the genders were reversed it would just universally be seen as creepy but because it's but i still see it as creepy
1: it is and i've had that thought but i mean i was josh baskin's age when i came out and if you were like when I was his age, if you we are like, yeah, you can, like, grow up and date Elizabeth uh, Perkins and fucking work at a toy shop and have Robert Lujah as a boss, I'd be in. Well, yeah. I'd be playing chopsticks on the piano and, and uh, turning on the lamp during sex with the girl. Like, yeah, I'd be doing all Ugh. of that. Singing Shimmy Shimmy Coco Bob with my best friend Brandon. I read a to quote to you that it's from me. somebody
3: that said that Penny Marshall directed Tom Hanks in his best role, which I'm assuming was big. Which this was their opinion. The and depends. Then a said, lot of
1: people like a league of their own. And then too. they
3: said uh, Robin Williams in his most interesting role, which is a movie called Awakening, yes, which I I've think, never seen.
1: I personally think it's the best he's ever been. and It
3: was really was, good. The third I thing really that they credited her with was the most uh, important women's sports movie ever made.
1: A League of Their Own, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, those three movies I will absolutely stand up for. I I love them all. Like, I I legit love all three of those movies. I saw them all when I was young. I've seen them all as adults, and I still really like those movies. Uh, I also have memories of her playing Laverne Mm -hmm. in Laverne Laverne. and Shirley. She
2: She actually played Laverne on... Five different shows. Yeah, I saw that. Jesus. I was
1: looking at her IMDb thing. Yeah. I they, never um, knew
3: Michael McKean was on Laverne Yeah, he Shrew was uh,
1: either Lenny or Squiggy. He was Lenny. Lenny, yeah. They were like the wacky next-door neighbors. Uh,
3: somebody like Sarah Silverman or one of those people tweeted a, a scene that, uh, that always made them cry, which was like when Laverne was going to... She thought she was pregnant. And, like, Lenny and Squiggy told her, like, we flipped a coin to see who was going to help you take a uh, take care of your baby. And then she says, and you lost? And he goes, no, I won. And it's like, oh, you're so sweet, Lenny. And, like, so she's just, like, watching that scene, just crying her fucking ass off. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Penny Marshall. She's pretty great, dude. She's She was... Uh, doing
1: stuff right up till the very end too. Yeah, doing a lot of actressy things. Uh, she was the first female director to to cross a hundred million. Uh, I think with The League of Their Own. I think that was the one, but yeah, that's and that's a fucking accomplishment for how old that movie is. Like, to to cross 100 million, that was not an easy mark. No,
2: not in those days.
3: She played a character on that John Mulaney sitcom that was terrible. I don't know what this is. You didn't hear about the John Mulaney sitcom? It came out in 2014. Is it called the John Mulaney sitcom? It's just called Mulaney, one word. Okay. And uh, John Mulaney plays... John Mullaney. And he works for uh, he's a writer on a game show that is hosted by uh, um oh god damn it, what's his name? Um uh, Ted McGinley. Uh Bob Martin Sight. Short. Martin Short plays like this aging game show host that's just crazy and like narcissistic and over the top. And, uh, John Mulaney's kind of is very put upon, like, uh, one of his writers that he kind of takes under his wing, but also kind of like bullies him a little bit, you know, at the same time. And, uh, it's a, it's a terrible show. Like Mulaney, <laughs> as and we I, this is well. <laughs> this is a person coming from somebody that loves John Mulaney. He but does, but his sitcom is
1: he does, but
3: objectively terrible.
1: We've talked about John Mulaney on exactly two episodes with you, and one you are talking about how his sitcom was terrible. The other time you were talking about how. I was like, "Yeah, Nick Cage is in it, but John Mulaney is in it too." And you're like, ah, "I'm more excited about Nick Cage <laughs> with what Spider Man?" Yeah, when well, we were talking about Into the Spider Verse last summer. Did I say that? You absolutely. Well, I saw love John it. Mulaney. Yeah, I, I know it's just funny because it doesn't seem like it on the show because like we have oh, it's two a, two examples of it's a it's just a
3: small sample size. Yeah, of all the conversations i've had about there's actually what's funny is that nick kroll is the other half of a, a comedy duo of john mulaney and nick kroll they do a ton of stuff together yeah what was that and broadway
1: show they did
3: it's called oh hello so there's a netflix uh, per, of one of the live performances that you can watch of it it's so really there cool. is a
1: billboard in Into yeah the
3: spider-verse
1: that yeah i has, heard about that yeah
3: but uh oh, I did the thing of, that what's funny is head. like so john mulaney i love all of his stuff except for his show, Mulaney and Nick Kroll. I like everything that he's in, like uh, his appearances on comedy, bang, bang, his, uh, his character on the league that he plays Ruxin. Um, but he he's has his sh- uncle drew. He had a show <laughs> on comedy central called Kroll show.
4: And Terrible. I hate that. Terrible. And
3: so both John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, when they are given, Big Mouth. They're when they're in charge, when Mouth. they're the number, when the show has their name in the title, it's bad. But if it does, but everything else they do is amazing.
1: Big Mouth is great. Yeah, I,
3: there's, but it doesn't say Croll or Mulaney in the name. Big. No, Mouth. it doesn't. So that's why it's good. Have you seen it yet? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I. It's even critically lauded. I dude. know.
3: Well, I'm still trying to catch up on the newest season of um, Bojack Horseman, and I watch Netflix very rarely. I'm a Hulu guy. Hulu and, and the DC Universe app. I've watched all of Titans except for the season finale, and I'm here to tell you right now, watch Titans, dude! It's really good!
1: It is good! Like... Is it John Mulaney good? It's yeah, it is John (laughs) Mulaney good.
3: I've been enjoying it from the very beginning and, uh, it's, it's not perfect. You know, it's totally super campy and cheesy at times. And it like, there are moments that make me cringe, but there are also moments that have given me genuine belly laughs and for the right reasons. And, uh, like uh episode 3 is kind of a uh a soft pilot for an upcoming series on Doom the, Patrol. Yeah, Doom Patrol and that's where you get to see uh freaking Brendan Frazier as a robot man, like a former <laughs> yeah. stunt, like stunt biker that crashed and his body was ravaged, so they put his brain into a robot body. And there's just this great scene where he's talking to the ra- Raven girl, or Her, she's just Rachel in the show, but she's Raven in the Teen Titans cartoons and stuff. And he's, they've got all this food on this big, uh, dinner table, and he's just like, try this. Does it taste good? Do you like the taste? Now have some fried chicken. Cause he's a robot, so he can't eat or taste anymore. So he's just like vicariously like, m- eat that, eat that, eat this, eat that, eat that. (laughs) It's really like it's great. And then like Jason Todd Robin shows up and there's this great dynamic between like the old like bitter ex-Robin and the new like gung-ho like I was a fucking car thief before I became Robin. I'm loving
1: this shit. Like getting to do whatever I want and beating up cops. So Jason Todd was the Robin that Joker beats to death. Yeah, fans hated him so much that
3: they Batman. That's what, no, no, that's the Dick
1: Grayson Batman says
2: that. But
3: what's great about that scene (laughs) in the episode is that Robin, like there's a drug deal going down. Right. And then Robin shows up and like lands on a car and he's like, Put the drugs down and walk away. And when they all see Robin, they all immediately start looking up at the rooftops going, oh, Batman's got to be here. Shit, where's – like they're not even afraid of Robin. They're like – they see Robin and are immediately like worried that Batman's there. And then as soon as they see that Batman's not there, they're like, oh, little Robin's all alone, huh? And then he just beats the – Fuck out of them all like he's like scraping people's faces across concrete walls and stuff and it's leaving a bloody smear along the wall and he drops all these people and then he walks away going fuck batman like you thought batman was the one to be afraid of like it's so good and like donna troy wonder girl shows up in one episode and uh like hawk and dove are characters that are explored that i didn't even i wasn't super aware of them so they were new to me and so i was like being introduced to
1: characters
3: and it's really good it's really good and so i have probably mentioned blood drive on here before which is that sci-fi show (laughs) about the cars that
4: run on run on
3: blood and literally just like feed a whole body into the engine that has like a meat grinder thing built into it. And the lead guy on blood drive is Hawk and of Hawk and Doug.
1: And <laughs> of so course he's Hawk. I was happy no to see him. <laughs> uh, Sherilyn Fenn
3: is in the first episode as, um, uh, Rachel's a like fake mother and she gets shot in the head, which makes me laugh because <laughs> Laura Palmer, she's not Laura Palmer. But she's in Wild at Heart, and she's in a scene in Wild at Heart when Nicolas Cage and they're driving down the highway, and then they come across this car accident just in the middle of nowhere on the highway, and Sherilyn Fenn walks up, and she's got this massive open head wound, and she's going, is my hair okay? Like, is my hair messed up? Does it look okay? And she's like, and then she falls over dead, and I think that she's been typecast as woman who dies from massive head wound. And they even like take <laughs> the time. They that is take really specific. It's to hard sh- to get worse. They take the time to show her lying on the ground with the massive head wound, like bleeding. <laughs> so you get to see, <laughs> it's just like, Oh, we've put your lunch in it. We can't
1: not shoot her in the head. <laughs> so, because it's almost Christmas time, we've been having some Christmas specials going on around the house. And uh, my wife had put on, uh, is, which which one is the little Christmas tree for Charlie Brown? Is that, is that, it's Christmas Charlie Brown or something like that? Uh, it
2: sounds right.
1: To everyone that is. She was watching that and I started thinking about the Peanuts and how physics works differently in the Peanuts universe than it does everywhere else. Because it started out... Okay, let me just break this down. I came up with three... <laughs> wow, you, with, you put some way thought into it. I this. did, I did. Because uh, I know people are talking about all kinds of stuff with the Peanuts right now. That has nothing to do with this. But this is important. This is physics. This is science. So, if you yell in a Peanuts cartoon, the person in front of you that you're yelling at will fall over. Every single time. You know what I mean? Like, if, if Sally comes up and calls Linus her sweet baboon, he will yell, I'm not your sweet baboon! And she will go flying off off of a chair every single time. Okay? That was number one. Number two, missing a football, it makes you somersault in midair and then land on your back. Like, that's impressive, dude. You would think the same thing would happen with your body whether you kick the football or not, but it actually makes you somersault and fall.
2: I mean, have you seen her? Dallas Cowboys, when Tony Romo missed that snap.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, also, that pretty much happened. <laughs> I think we've <laughs> so literally,
1: literally never seen universe.
2: Yeah, if you want to see what a video, happens. go to DallasCowboys.com.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What you
2: And we've never actually
3: seen what happens when when Charlie Brown kicks the football. Because he's never successfully. Yes we, have. yes, we have.
1: When? It's magic Charlie Brown. It's magic Charlie I Brown. I refuse to accept that as I know, canon. but it's probably on YouTube. Okay. When so has Charlie Brown ever becomes, successfully
3: kicked the football in the car- comic strip? Like, that was I have no never idea. Did. Probably
1: never happened. And it's magic Charlie Brown. He becomes invisible for a while. And then Lucy is, like, practicing holding the football to pull it away from him. But he's, like, kicking it. And she's getting really frustrated going to get the ball and setting it up again. And then he kicks it. But, see, the joke's on Charlie Brown because nobody believes him. (laughs) That old chestnut. The other thing I kind of nailed for uh, physics of Peanuts. So, pitching a baseball means it will always come back at you and knock off all your clothes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time.
1: But yeah, that's Major League that happen- baseball,
2: That's
3: how modern that's how reality physics works.
2: I mean, that's why they always cut commercial on MLB, so are <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh shit, sensors hit the oh, right. reject when button. They, when but that's because he's yelled oh shit <laughs> the ball.
3: <laughs> it always shoots past him. Yeah.
2: They're wow. Like, oh no, it's live Drive and just BAM hit the sensor button can't have the Janet Jackson sort of thing going on. And also, why does Woodstock fly
1: upside down very often? Because he can. What a kooky little bird he is. Yeah, what a kooky little bird who eats turkey. It's just weird. (laughs) It's just fucking weird. That always bothered me when I was a kid. That's how
2: you assert dominance uh, uh, over the other little finches. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, (laughs) that's fucking great, dude. That's exactly what it is. He's
1: just, like, slowly eating a turkey, like, staring at, like, a, <laughs> another fish. Like, you better not fuck with me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'll do to you. This dog over here will cook you. He was a Red Baron, okay? <laughs> or, no, what was he? The Flying Ace or something? Hey, uh, World War One Flying Ace. Because he's always after the Red Baron, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Red Baron's his rival. Sop with Camel or something. Man, that's a thing that's been lost the time. I remember when we were like watching it, like the Peanuts movie, we went to watch it, which was interesting because the animation was like puffy stickers, kind of. It's the best way I can describe it. It looked like moving puffy
2: stickers. So, so it was... like a early episode South Park? No, it was better than that. <laughs> it was definitely so, better. a uh, six season South Park? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe like 12. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we went to watch that and they had the the, fly, the World War One flying it. But when they're watching it, I remember this little kid was like, what's Snoopy doing? And this parent in front of us was like, he's pretending like he's in World War Two. And I was like, oh yeah, all the parents in this audience are too fucking dumb to know World War One was a thing. <laughs> no, no idea, dude. There was a World War One. What was that? What numerals were in that? Yeah. Anyway, that's really all I had. I, I can go off on the peanuts for a while if you guys want, or we can call it good. Uh, the
3: more you talk about peanuts, the more I'm going to just start fading away, like tuning out. Are, are you threatening <laughs> me right now? No, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> stating a fact. I don't, I have nothing to add to a peanuts conversation.
1: Have you ever I wish they'd never been born. <laughs> <laughs> Let's examine that for a second. What if Charlie Brown is never born? I wish like are all the other peanuts like who becomes who becomes the beta? What?
3: No, I don't want to do this.
1: <laughs> no, but seriously, think about this for a second. Who beca- like Charlie Linus Brown is a loser. Place. Linus is is the next loser cuz he's got the blanket and the great pumpkin thing. That makes sense oh, to me. he's
3: yeah. so awful. They're all so awful. I don't like any of those characters. Okay, I don't like any of those characters in anything with animation and voices. I like the comic strip just the fine. The strip is better. The strip's fine. We can talk any about the strip. Cartoon, I'm just saying, like any of the cartoons or
1: animated things,
3: I'm not a fan of any of those. Are
1: you familiar with Rerun?
3: The music is fine. Rerun is like a... Another Linus or something? Like
1: Kinda. Any... He's like Linus and Lucy's littlest little, brother, yeah. but he basically looks exactly like Linus, but he doesn't have a blanket. And that sounds little. terrible. Yeah, yeah. He does, well, and he doesn't have a real often. person's
3: name either. Everyone else has real people's
1: names, <laughs> right? Well, it's a play off the fact he's a copy of Linus, right? Like, so they call him rerun. You know, there's a uh, the
3: character of um, of Token. I mean. Franklin, Franklin. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually based on a real person.
1: Really? Yeah.
3: Who's like a, a uh, who was a comic, uh, or he's named after a real person.
4: He's That's not like based off of a real yeah, person. Yeah, because Franklin he's named has no a real personality. Person who
3: and that person is now a cartoonist in his own right, and and uh, what's his name? <laughs> a mentor?
1: Hold on, how old is? Has this guy got to be like Charles Schultz died in like his nineties? Um, he didn't. He was
3: a. He was actually uh, Franklin wasn't introduced. Wasn't originally in the strip. He was written in later. Oh it came yeah, in way and later. Uh, and he was also a very young child when uh, he first met Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz, and it was like, and when Franklin was first introduced, he also didn't have a name, like. The name was an afterthought.
2: <laughs> wow, are just like drug bottom so hard right now. The really interesting hey, thing Hey, Brandon, about- tell
3: me about some fishing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. All right. Well, they can't all be gems. It just happens that this one's the 400. This is number 400.
3: <laughs> 400. So- you yeah. got up Charlie Brown, you sound <laughs>
1: I know. I'm just fascinated with the physics of, of the Peanuts, dude. I do
3: like picturing the baseball flying past him and just like, yeah. It just like blows up. It's like an
1: explosion of blowing. That's madness. Yeah, like why? First off, why is it that every pitch comes straight back at him? Like usually pitches, usually they when you hit up. a ball, they, they go up, up or yeah. down. They don't go like straight at the pitching mound. Like straight, that would be so hard to hit the ball straight ahead at a pitcher. Cricket bat. Sure, but they're playing baseball. I know, that's what I'm
3: saying. It's like a cricket, I could see it happening if it was like British Charlie
1: Brown and he was playing, they were playing cricket (laughs) instead of baseball. (laughs) What does he say instead of good grief if he's British Charlie Brown? Uh, Oh, bother. Crikey. Oh, crikey. Crikey sounds Australian to me. Oh, right.
3: I was thinking Cockney, but...
1: Maybe New Zealand.
2: (laughs) Where is the cat?
3: I mean, cricket's pretty popular no matter where you go. Anywhere, like... As long as it's not the United States. It's just not... Yes. It's it's anywhere besides the U.S. that was occupied by the British. So India... So India loves... India loves cricket. Yeah. And if India loves cricket, then most of the world loves cricket. (laughs) Because India is most of the world. Well, India, China, and Brazil. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did you see uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? I never went and saw it. I saw, went and saw Halloween instead of... I had the choice of Bohemian Rhapsody or Halloween.
1: I chose Halloween. I chose both. But if I was faced with that decision, I would have definitely gone with bohemian rhapsody i was bohemian rhapsody Clean's yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. in your top three when it's top three then yeah of course no i get it this I, is personal preference i honestly I, lo- I, chose, I, I did love the
1: new halloween though
3: i so. chose halloween over bohemian rhapsody because i went based on actors that i like and that's fair rami malik is cool but i I like uh Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer. Especially I love Judy Greer was I love really good that. Judy Greer and she was amazing because she annoyed the hell out of me for the entire movie and then in like the last 4 minutes of the movie I you know spoiler alert it rev- she rev- it was all an act. Like, she was just as capable and just as prepared. I don't think it was an
1: act. I think it was she was so fed up with her mother and thought she was a basket case. And then when she realized that she wasn't, it, it she had all me this of badass that, training.
3: Well, it re- the training kicks in, but it was always there. The training was always under right. the surface. And th- they led you to believe that she hadn't, like, learned anything from her mom. That she had rebelled against her mom and that she didn't have the skills that her mom had. And then at the end, it's like, oh, no, she has all those skills. She is as capable as her mom, if not more, because she can
1: hide it better. She can be more. What did she's you, not as directly traumatized. What did you think about that scene when Michael Myers like goes through that house and like kills the two people and then goes by the crib and then just walks by the crib? What were you thinking in that moment? Because I was watching that and I was like, no way he stabs the baby, right?
3: Like no way they're that would have been gratuitous. baby.
1: Yeah, and then he just walks by it. But he stops for a minute and pauses. It shows and then walks that by he it.
3: does takes things into consideration. He's not indiscriminately just murdering. Yeah. But that there is a you have there is a line that you have to cross to be chosen by him. Like and babies obviously don't meet the criteria. But you know? if you're a babysitter... Oh, yeah. you're <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what I really thought was funny about that movie, too, was like, when you think about the... Since it's only a sequel to the first Halloween, like, all two, three, all that shit,
1: dis- disregarded. Yeah, it's funny. The bin, I got an all the other seven movies. The I got in an, with an argument yeah. with my uh, friend Sean Thompson over whether the second one was also part of that and i was like no it's not no it's not no he's like why wouldn't they do the second one i was like because they stabbed out both his eyes at the end of the second one he was like so (laughs) it's like well what do you mean so that's they're not doing him as a supernatural (laughs) thing in this he's actually like a human being in this, like he used to be
3: so uh, in the original Halloween, though, he only kills like five people, which yeah, it's they not actually, very many. and then they address that in this movie. Like, what's so big deal? He only killed five people. That's not even that many people, you know. But then the second he then escapes, he kills something like six he makes, people immediately. He, yeah, yeah, he 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 immediately like the second he escapes, he. Doubles his more than doubles his kill count. And then it's like in this movie, he just, he's, they've modernized. They've made him the killer. Yeah, it was one of those things.
1: Of. I was kind of bummed that they did it that way. But when I started thinking about it, it was like audiences aren't going to accept it unless there's a massive body count. Like it's just one of those things with slasher movies now.
3: And now there's a new trope in, uh, in, uh, um, horror movies where there's a girl sitting in a bathroom stall and then something super scary happens to her while Dude, she's in the stall. Dude, those bloody
1: teeth. That was, that was like, a good Wah. scene, very visual. But there's also... <laughs> yeah. So
3: there's this new horror movie coming out. Or it's in theaters now that I want to see called The Possession of Hannah Grace. And the it's like a twist on the, on the Exorcist-style movies where uh, this is actually a woman is being haunted after performing an autopsy on a girl who died during an exorcism. And so it's like something went wrong during the exorcism and the, the girl died, but is the body still possessed, you know, even if the girl's dead. And so weird shit's happening to the girl, but there's a scene where she's sitting in a a bathroom stall and like a bloody, like ball of something like rolls along the floor and it like leaving a bloody trail. And then it comes to a rest at her
1: feet. Is an and then ball? an
3: arm like reaches out and like grabs it and scary and she's like, ah, and she screams. Is that so like, how she screams? <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> so, like, like that's the trope is girl gets scared in a bathroom stall. That's like becoming more common of a scene. I also have a new trope that I kind of am discovering, and it's from that Fantastic Beasts. You saw Fantastic Beasts, right? The, the second first one? Did, I the seen the second one? one? did you see the new no, one? Did you see the new one? No, no. So uh first one was enough. <laughs> I went and saw it at one of these, at a really fancy diner theater uh, in in Washington. And uh, before I went there, I stopped by a recreational dispensary and I bought myself. Did you go
1: to McMenamin's? No, it McMenamin? was a Cinemark. Oh, it was a okay. Cinemark,
3: but it was like a diner one that had like s- the super recliner chairs and like saw some i I think i watched halloween there too and as i watched halloween i ate creme (laughs) brulee i was like this is so (laughs) stupid why am i doing this uh but uh i got a thc infused root beer and i smuggled that into the theater with me and as i drank it i basically just melted into the chair and could not move and most of the movie i was just kind of like only vaguely, like, I was, like, on the verge of falling asleep, but I never actually fell asleep. But the movie also is a giant blur. Um, but one of the characters, so this is a prequel to all the Harry Potter movies. And uh, one of the characters is Nagini, who in the Harry Potter movies is, a, is Voldemort's snake. Right. right. But in this movie, Nagini is not a snake. Nagini is a girl, a human girl who has some kind of a blood curse that means she can turn into a snake, but eventually she will stop being able to turn back into a human and she'll be permanently trapped in the form of a snake. And right now she's friends with this other character, but she's sort of getting lured to the dark side by Grindelwald, who is the Johnny Depp played character and is basically wizard Hitler. And uh, at some point, she goes from like joining Grindelwald to becoming Voldemort's pet. Now, on another level, there's a video game that just came out that's uh, recently the Lord, of, the new Lord of the Rings game. It's like <laughs> Lord of the Rings: Shadows of War, I think it's called and uh, in that game they introduce a new backstory for shelob the spider monster right and in this story she started out as an elf woman who is in love with the the first nazgûl ringwraith right the the lord the top number 1 ringwraith and then he betrays her and in her bitterness she like retreats into a mountain cave and in her bitterness and anger she like Transforms into a spider, and then she becomes Sauron's pet. So I'm looking for a third example. Right? Where they
1: become a pet with somebody.
3: Woman loves villain. Villain betrays woman. Woman becomes animal pet to villain. That's the the progression.
1: I've got one that's close, but it doesn't quite Lady fill Huck. the vi- villain part. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, Lady I've, I've I've posed this question to other people. and Lady Hawk. I think, we, Hawk's I think the closest we literally had done. this conversation late at night. Yeah, and somebody. Yeah, we had <laughs> this conversation phone. on the
3: phone. Now that I'm thinking about but it, but I talked to some. I've talked to other people that have made the same suggestion, and that one's slightly different because there's two people well, also that become each other's... It's also her true they love that take turns that owns being her. animals. Yeah, that's
1: true too yeah Hmm.
3: like it the the new this is the thing is that the third example that makes this a trope may not actually exist yet it may come up in something in the future this is i think this is an emerging trope right i think that it's emerging subconsciously in like the cultural like zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it so like it's a, it's it's just started. We've seen two two examples. So it's not a full fledged trope until there's at least three. The right? same way that, you know, you can't guarantee like
2: It's not two, a straight. You until need you get three, three
3: points make a line, right? Three points make a line?
2: Yeah. Isn't no, it two? two. two points.
3: Three points makes a circle. Three points makes a plane or something There's yeah. like something that requires three points That's all I know There's some geometry rule that requires three points
1: You're talking to an engineer So <laughs> I trust him
3: Yeah, Or like uh, A pattern even just like You don't have a pattern until you have a third point
1: On right. the graph So So you have an emerging one. We just need to find the evidence of the third one. Dude, if you ever go back to college, this should be your thesis.
3: (laughs) I should should make a show and just incorporate this into it
1: so I could create the third one. (laughs) (laughs) So you could reinforce (laughs) the This is a rigged system, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) My goal is to get on TV trope someday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Gail Simone did
3: uh, build quite a comic empire out of that. Start. She started out as a hairdresser, and then she started a blog about women and called women in fridges after uh the second, not the, no the third, Kyle Kyle, Kyle Rainer, Rainer, The Green fourth Lantern. Green Lantern was he the fourth Kyle Jordan? Yeah, he
1: was the third or fourth. Hal Jordan, Just, uh, uh, John Stewart, was John number Stewart, two. Guy Gardner,
3: and then Kyle <laughs> Rayner. The Kyle Rayner, uh as a way to motivate the Kyle Rayner hero into fighting a bad guy, he comes home one day and finds his wife or girlfriend beaten to death and her bones all broken. And her body has been stuffed into the refrigerator. And, uh, the only reason they killed her off was to give the hero a reason to like, want to fight some guy. And so she started this blog about like, why don't we stop using women as like, killing women is a motivational tool for men. That seems kind of fucked up. It never works the other way around, you know. Yeah. Except uh, maybe uh, the dude from Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor. But uh, that's actually one of the things about Spider uh, Woman, like the uh, Gwen Stacy as Spider-Man, is how many times has she freaking died in Peter Parker's arms, right? Yeah. So in the Spider-Verse, in her origin story, Peter Parker dies.
1: Yeah. Cause he, he turns. Well, he, he turns into the lizard. He turns into the lizard, yeah. And then yeah, she fights cool. him and can't save him. And he dies in her arms and it's like, go good.
3: Let him die in her arms
1: for once. Dude, it's crazy how popular that character has gotten considering it's only like, she's only like three years old or something. <laughs> 20- and it's just like, it's huge. Like, people know that character now. By the way, one of the best drawn characters there is. Like, that uniform is fantastic. That is a tight, tight costume, for sure. It's like, the more and more I look at it, the more I just love it. Like, the the inside of the hoodie... Where that it's like pink? it's white on the outside with kind of that yeah red or pink depending it's like on a what white they're doing
3: and black and white and good color scheme
1: yeah and then but the inside of the hood has like the webbing kind of design yeah yeah that, god it's just and it the looks hoodie so aspect of it sharp. too
3: that it looks like that it's got a hood kind and of it thing. makes it
1: makes sense that it would be a hood in a way for like a teenage girl yeah
3: for modern sensibilities yeah. I like uh, that people think that she's called Spider Gwen. And it's she's like, not. If, but, 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 but I mean, all it would take is two seconds of, like, she's <laughs> wait, putting her a own Maybe name she's into her superhero <laughs> name. Like,
1: I am Super Clark. <laughs> right. And I know it's not, but my... Pat Wayne. <laughs> just to go back, my point earlier
4: <laughs> was
1: not not that... Wait, they just, said Spider-Gwen is a the character, character the but... Yeah. That's the name of the comic, for sure, is Spider-Gwen yeah. that she's from. I just wanted to say that because... I. It's it's not even a real theory. It's just like if that winds up being what happens, I want to be there first. Like I want to be the I one. I think you're
3: who- going to be proven right that uh she's that is a different Gwen Stacy and not the not that one that was in this movie. Cuz they've got to have there were a bunch of uh, unused uh characters. They when they were developing this in Spider-Verse movie, they literally um Looked at every single alternative Spider-Man that's ever been designed and been like, should we use this one? Should we use this one? Um, yeah, because the comic used at one point every version I had ever heard of. At one point, the storyline was going to just keep adding Spider-Man the whole way through from begin and just like keep adding more and more and more, and eventually they had to pare it
1: down to like the what eight of them that there was that were the core group. I think it was six because it's like. It's Miles Morales, uh, Peter B. Parker, Spider-Ham, Penny Parker, Spider-Man Noir. Who am I missing? And Gwen. And Spider-Gwen, yeah. So that's six. Yeah, six. And then there's a Chris Pine one that dies right before, so...
3: And then there's
1: a few other brief cameos. Well, like yeah, the then there's credits. the end credit yeah, you yeah. get Spider-Man 2099 and from Earth 2099. We're, like, we're
3: back on this movie The for like what is this the third time?
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's a great movie. <laughs> and
3: only you have seen it so far. Yeah. But we can it's it's definitely I would Being say
1: talked about by everybody right and now, and I would so. say take your kids to it because like yeah, it, it is my so good for adults. The art is so fucking interesting on it, <laughs> and like it really is, dude. When you just no. watch it, you just appreciate like how beautiful it's put together for like a a kids cartoon, and it's like it's got all of these adult themes that run through it, but like kids can totally watch and enjoy it like it's PG. I just, like, I'm really, really impressed with that movie.
3: So you reminded me earlier, uh, because you mentioned the Christmas stuff you guys were watching in the house for the Mm -hmm. holidays.
1: I actually wasn't watching the Peanuts, if I'm being honest. I was trying to segue to it. (laughs)
3: Today I watched a Christmas thing with my daughter, and she's 10. And I got really excited because I realized she's finally old enough to appreciate Invader Zim. So I showed her the the final episode of the series, which is their Christmas episode. It's called the most horrible Xmas ever, and it's amazing. It introduces a sidekick, and they claim like this weird little floating moose called Mini Moose, and he's just like, "Yep, been with me the whole time. That's my other sidekick." <laughs> So, did your daughter love it or did she like break your heart? Oh, no. She, I, I, we finished the Christmas episode and then I went, Do you want to see how this all starts? And she's just like, Uh, yeah. And then we watched like three episodes in a row and then I had to use the bathroom and she was like banging on the bathroom door going, Can I start it? Can I start it without you? And I'm going, Definitely go watch it. Watch as much as you can of it. And then my mom made her turn it off. So, Oh she didn't bummer. she only but she got through a few she, a few of my favorite episodes she got to watch and she was laughing all on her own and oh, your mom's like it.
1: turn off this Marvin the Martian show. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I forgot though like she watched the episode that has what I think is one of the most disturbing scenes that's in that show period where uh Zim It's that show is so brilliant because the episode starts and they're in the cafeteria at school and uh, Mm. some popular mean girl is like talking about how Zim doesn't have any friends and how that's so inhuman and then he immediately starts flashing to where like he's been captured by the government and they're asking like how did you discover the alien hiding amongst us and they're like. Well, we noticed that he had no friends. And so he decides he has to get uh a uh, a friend and like parade him off. So he finds this corner with all these reject kids and he subjects them to these tests. Like the first test is their absorption. So he spills a bunch of milk onto the table and then just slams their head down on the table and tries to like s- mop up the milk with their heads. How and many he- had beards? Did any pass? Uh, to the first, there's three kids that he's testing, and the first two, nothing happens, but the third kid, it like just sucks up the milk, <laughs> and then, and then the second test is now I test electrical conductivity, mm. <laughs> and so he starts like, like electrocuting them all, and at the end, they're all, like, burned, except one kid's, like, only slightly kind of, like, scorched, where the other two are, like, all black and charred. Because he's better at <laughs> conducting electricity, and then he says, and now the final test, and in one hand, he has a little miniature school bus, and in the other hand, he's holding a beaver by the beaver tail, and he just advances on them. <laughs> and then at the end, they're just, like, black and charred, and the kid is relatively unscathed, so that kid, Keith wins and he parades him around for the day. We're best friends. And then at the end of the day, they're walking uh, back to Zim's house together. And then he gets to the door and he's like, well, you've served your purpose. Now you can go. And then the kid turns into stalker mode and it's just like, uh, won't leave him alone. And is like, calls him at his house. And while he's talking to him, uh, like he gets another call and he picks, he like switches lines and it's the Kid is, like, calling him multiple times, like, while he's on the phone with him already. So, it's, like, super stalker. So, his solution at the end of the episode is he uh, he makes up – he wraps a Christmas, like, a birthday present. And he gives it to Keith. And Keith's like, oh, a present for me? You are my bestest friend. And he opens it up. And these two robot claws, re- like, with, like, sharp-looking claws, like, come out of the box – and then the perspective of the camera, it like shifts to the wall, and you only see this in shadows on the wall. But the claws like r- grab onto the kid's eyes and rip his eyes out of his head. And he starts screaming, but then the robot hands immediately replace his eyes with like two robot eyes. And it like snaps Keith into a weird like trance thing. And then Zim's like, uh, who's your bestest friend? And he's like, that would be Zim. And he goes like, okay, when I snap my fingers, the next thing, living thing you see, you will believe to be your best friend. And then he like puts himself way up in the, in the air and he snaps his fingers and Keith like rubs his eyes. And then he looks out the window and he sees a squirrel and the squirrel, like in his, you see through his eyes and the squirrel like turns into Zim and then he's like, hey, how'd you get out there, buddy? And he just, like, runs out of the house and starts chasing after the squirrel, like, Zim! Hey, Zim, where are you going? And just runs off. And, nope, mission solved. Like, mission accomplished for Zim. He's, like, finished. Because he already, like. He's gotten rid of the kid. Disfigured a child. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, it's it's pretty disturbing, though. Like, the eyes ripped out. Rendered him insane. And then he just, like, <laughs> like yeah, leaves the kid to his own devices, you know? It's like, what did I just watch? And she
1: was just totally unfazed by that scene. Well, I think
2: we—I
1: can't come up with a better way to close this episode. So. <laughs> Thanks for hanging with us for 400 insane conversations, and we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.
2: Bye. Hey, just because it's 400, I will respect that outro. <laughs>
1: no, I'm putting it right over where you're talking.
2: <laughs> Damn it, I was trying so hard to respect that outro. 400 episodes.
1: Dude, sometimes I cut out your audio from earlier and just put it at the end so it sounds like you're not respecting the outro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Not For Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.